Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Hi, Beauty. Welcome to the show. Stoked to have you here. How are you doing? Really good. Thank you. Really excited to be here. Yeah, yes. Uh, So uh, tell our listeners who you are and, you know, why you're here. We're going to have a really juicy conversation about red flags, avoidantly attached and anxiously attached people, all the juicy things. But tell us about you. So... Hi, I'm Sarah O'Connor and I am a love and empowerment coach and I am a former self-confessed love life shit show um, (laughs) turned securely attached based on the amount of work I've been able to do on myself in terms of personal development and my absolute jam is helping anxiously attached women avoid red flags, uh, identify and build and integrate their boundaries Uh, be able to raise their standards and know what they're asking for isn't too much Um, and to really like lean into a better relationship with themselves so that they can call in a better relationship romantically yeah so good and I love that piece around knowing that you're not too much I think this is like a disease of many women feeling like they're not enough and too much at the same time and not wanting to ask for what they want, not feeling safe to ask for what they want from others, but even just from life and themselves. I would think, and let me know what you think, that that's like a really big thing for people who have an anxious attachment style, like not wanting to be too much to push people away or to repel people or feeling like a burden. I hear that one all the time. So Would you agree? Would you say that that's like a really big thing for people who have that attachment style? Absolutely. Yeah. Like when you're, when you're anxiously attached, you have a, this kind of like innate belief that, oh my God, people are going to leave me. Like I'm too much or I'm not enough. And like you say, it's this real like paradox of like, it's all in one. It's like this all encompassing, oh my God, have I asked for too too much there? How am I expecting too much? Let me give them everything that they need. Um, And yet putting themselves on the back burner. So it it creates this feeling of um, they don't trust themselves and they don't trust their own kind of like needs or desires because they've got really, really used to pushing that to the back of the priority list. That's on the back burner and making everybody else comfortable is the main priority. 
Yeah. So I guess there's a huge correlation here between that and people pleasing as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So generally speaking, if you are, if you're not sure if you're anxiously attached and a lot of the time you don't know you're anxiously attached. Like I didn't, I confidently actually walked into a therapist and told her that I was securely attached. And she was like, no, no, Sarah, you're anxiously attached. I was like, I'll have, you know, I've read the definitions and I am aware of what I am. And she was like, no, you're not. And I got really confused because I was always been this like sassy, like bad bitch. Like, oh yeah, no, no, no. Like I'm like, and I didn't suffer with anxiety. So, so So the term anxious, to me felt really alien because I was like but that's not who I am so then when she then was saying that like I didn't speak up for myself when it came to relationships I would overgive, I would overfunction, I would self-sacrifice I would people please I didn't trust that I was making the right decision that is all anxious attachment without actual like anxiety of like I don't have like social anxiety like I'm a Leo like you like big show off like (laughs) give me some attention and I'm a happy girl do you know what I mean like put me on a stage and I'll be fine but get me into a place of um of a relationship and love and that isn't who I showed up as yeah and and I think that's really important for people to to know that they don't firstly don't have to suffer with anxiety and they also don't have to uh, show up like that in every place like there's a there's a quote that I I love to kind of like rip apart which is that where you show up in one place is where you show up in every place. I hate place. that. And I hate that. Isn't it? Isn't it just bullshit? It's like just people doesn't say make it any all sense. the time, and I'm like, do you know what? Someone just said this, and it just caught on like it caught on a I, virus, and I, know. and I just keep saying it, and I'm like, that is not universally true. Like there are so many areas of my life where I'm so determined and disciplined, and yeah. some areas where I'm like the laziest bitch alive, and they, there's no correlation. None. <laughs> None whatsoever. Like it's the stupidest quote I've ever heard, right? I hate it. So, and and the reason that it's stupid is because your relationship to how you show up somewhere is your feeling of safety in that place. So for yeah. example, I've always had like a really kind of like, I guess, neutral relationship to like work, for example. So like having a job when I used to be employed and now I'm not, but I always had like this kind of feeling of, well, if I kind of like ruffle too many feathers here or this doesn't work out for me and it's not my place, that's all right. There's other jobs, there's other companies, like whatever. Like I had a real like neutral kind of like, it won't dampen how I show up here because I had like an abundant mindset when it came to, to that. So like anyone who knew me from work would then find out how I would allow myself to be treated in relationships and be like, who the fuck are you? Like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, what? Like, how is Sarah that I know, who's this like, doesn't take any shit, is putting up with like my ex used to steal from me? Like, I used to have to go home and like hide my fucking purse. Like, it was bad. Like, and people just couldn't correlate. And that's because I had a real lack, like scarcity mindset around love because that was where my wounding was about being chosen, and therefore where you show up in one place is definitely not how you show up in every place and it's all to do with your perception of how safe you are in those situations yeah so if someone wants to know their attachment style how would you or where would you say they begin like a quiz a book like what's what's a starting point so a really good starting point is 
um so the book attached is an amazing book um yeah yeah I love that book so that's a really good place to start um they have a quiz in it they also have a quiz on their website it's also linked in my bio on Instagram because I want people to know what theirs is because as soon as my therapist told me and then explained what was going on I was like oh wow okay like I found it so intriguing and so interesting uh whilst also a little bit terrifying because you're like okay how do I fix this then um but I would say if you if you struggle in relationships start having a little look into it in terms of attached do a quiz and also be really honest with yourself about how you're showing up in your love life because if you are struggling in love and often people will read even the blurb on the back of attached and they'll go I think maybe I'm avoidantly attached. I think maybe I'm mm. avoidantly. And I'm like, babe, you're anxiously attached. Like you're so anxiously <laughs> attached. And they're like, no, but like, I kind of like avoid relationships because like they're bullshit and whatever. And what's the really interesting thing is, is that when you have an anxious attachment style, you often, um, it comes, it, so anxious attachment is born out of a core wound of uh, fear of abandonment, right? Yeah. So when you have, so when you have a core wound of fear of abandonment, the very common overcorrection that people make is that they then try to make the surroundings and the environment of the person that they're trying to make stay really comfortable. So they become entirely boundaryless. They've got no line that can or cannot be crossed in terms of what is acceptable or unacceptable behavior. They don't speak up for themselves. They decide that everything that that person needs is their number one priority and they give and they give and they overfunction, and then if the relationship works out they often are then stuck in like a lot of resentment because they're never really getting anything back because they've never told them that they want anything mm-hmm. or they leave the person leaves and it ends and it reconfirms this kind of like core belief that they have which is that they're hard to love and that people yeah. leave them and so they so the overcorrection is that they make things so comfortable that's something because they're trying to get someone to stay. And the real irony and the heartbreaking part of that is that as soon as you um, decide that someone else's comfort is more important than your own, you self-abandon. Like you've, you're abandoning everything that you need. You're not listening to yourself. You don't know the difference between fear and intuition. So that's one element of it. And then the people that said, so people that, live there and live there a lot and stay there and just will read the back of attached and be like okay I'm anxiously attached like okay like I do those things but fine that's me the people who are then like I think I'm avoidantly attached that's in the people who undercorrect. So that's what I would say is then the antithesis of like the hard pendulum swing the other way where they've, they've tried that they've tried the overgiving, overfunctioning, people pleasing not speaking up for themselves and instead of learning the skills of how to become securely attached instead they just hard pendulum swing to like what I refer to as dating with your knives out like they're literally like come on then fucker like are you like show me like like show me what show me how you're gonna prove yourself to me then like it's this real like attitude because and it's just guarded so their guard is completely up which is completely understandable when you've been really, really hurt, like, and you've you've given what you think you should, and people have left. Then you're like, right, well, I'm going to make it practically impossible for you to get through this like exterior. Then, but the problem then they always find is that as soon as they then 
go back into dating, they're floundering again. They don't know what their boundaries are. They don't know how to, to speak up for themselves. They, they don't know what their line is. They don't know how to not become attached to that person. And, and I liken it to kind of like swimming. It's like they haven't learned to swim. They've gone safely onto land and they've decided to set up shop there and I'm safe there. And then they're like, oh, actually that over there, people have relationships. So I often refer to being in a relationship as like building a ship, like you build it together. You don't find a great relationship, you build it. Um, and you build a ship that can weather a storm. And then they're like, okay, well, in that case, you've got to go out in the dating waters and you've got to go and like, find a partner. And they haven't learned to swim. So then they end up either just going back to their safe zone of like, well, I'll go back onto land. Or they then cling to like the safety raft of like just anyone who gives them any attention. Yeah. It's really, it's really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of people, at least the people that I've spoken to who have figured out that they're anxiously attached have felt a lot of shame around this. Cause I think it's that anxious word in it as well. Like you said, you didn't resonate with that because you were like, well, I don't have anxiety. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Part of what I want this conversation to like normalize and destigmatize is that there's nothing like good or bad or superior or inferior, whether you're avoidant or anxious or secure. It's just that something inside of a very young part of you got a message or took on this wound. And so the part of you, the attachment style and the part of you that manages how you behave is trying to keep you safe. Like it has positive intentions for you. It loves you. It wants you to survive. And so I just wanted to like throw this piece in here because it can make people feel, I guess, like there's something wrong with them. And that just mm -hmm. exacerbates the wound that is originally there in the first place. Um, so how do you go about healing um, or learning to meet this part of you in a different way. Obviously you've done it because you mm -hmm. had an, an anxious attachment style and you went to therapy and, you know, you're in a relationship now. So how do you, how did you do it? And how do you guide other people to do it? Yeah. It's, and it's, it's such a good point that the first, the first thing is bringing so much self-compassion to like how you've been showing up. Cause I always say this to my clients. I'm like, you're, you're like the way you've been showing up is the very best that you've been able to do so far like you have been showing up in exactly the way that has felt like the the only the safe way for you to operate and often it's a lot to do with how what's been kind of demonstrated to you as you've grown up and then yeah like you say a lot of parts of our identity are formed out of these situations that have got nothing there was no fault of our own you know in the forming of that and being able to kind of bring that compassion and really understanding that when we are like I said when we're trying to get someone else to choose us the, the little girl in us like the part of us that wants to be chosen all she actually really needs is us to choose her like it's yeah. identifying it's like coming back to it so the first step is like the self-awareness of like okay so yes I can acknowledge that when someone pulls away from me I want to scramble and and make them come to me when I am feeling overstretched I still don't say no or when 
there needs to be some prioritization happen it's always my stuff that gets pushed to the back yeah I, and you can understand that when your emotions arise you don't acknowledge them and you don't then verbalize like hey I'm going to need some support on that or that's not acceptable like that's just that feels like the most like the worst like super edgy like super edgy yeah yes yeah a hundred percent so like the first time I had to lay a boundary with a guy who was messaging me inappropriately who had a girlfriend I felt bad for laying a boundary and it took me I kid you not Amy three days to write a text message to lay a boundary that was about five lines long I thought I was gonna die honestly I was like who do I think I am what's he gonna think about what I'm now saying and just having to come back to this compassion of like what he thinks doesn't matter this is the this is the like the fastest most authentic route back to myself this makes me feel bad like because a lot of the time when we when we interact with with people who aren't good for us and we're not putting um ourselves first in any way we're often then attracting people that are um that take advantage of us yeah and, and we we never feel like it's our right to say like I I need more from this I'm not okay with this and the uh, the way that we then operate is we decide that it's okay for them to just call the shots completely and we decide that they like we're just along for the ride it's like they've shown us interest and now I'll just attach my you know (laughs) attach myself to their car and just hope that they're nice to me and it's like being on this roller coaster and it's really um and and often a lot of the clients I work with I'll say to them they'll they'll tell me things that have happened with with their partners or their exes and I'm like I want you to sit with me just for a minute I was like and I want you to tell me how you actually feel about that situation you've just told me about because often they'll go into romanticizing it justifying it assigning the blame to themselves idealizing about it yeah yes yeah and I'm like just for a moment just sit sit with what you've just told me is the situation that happened how did you feel at the time and more often not that it's something like fucking furious like like really angry really sad like Mm. that, that was so mean and they don't allow themselves to feel it so like one of the biggest things you can do for yourself is coming back to this, like being so like, I call it like the ugly o- o- honesty, like the ugly, honest truth of like, okay, this is how I feel about it. And, uh, and, it, and the first step with my clients is I always say, don't think about what you've got to do next. Just acknowledge what's actually happening in terms of your emotional reaction to it and your, your, what you need your desire like don't think about the next bit because you'll make an excuse as to why you don't have to do the next bit which is really hard which is then choose a different response right yeah so the response is so hard and the response is kind of where your boundaries come in and where you learn to communicate um and and the things that I encourage anyone listening to do is to kind of like think to myself like am I being vulnerable and am I communicating? Like those are the two key things I always ask my clients to kind of always come back into when they feel like their anxiety is going up or they feel that they're like really out of control or something's happened with somebody that they're dating and they just don't know what to do. And I'm like, you do know what to do. You just don't have the answer. 
But yeah. You, like you do you do know what to do. You do know how you feel about this, but you're you're jumping ahead to like, oh crap, like what am I going to do? Like now that means I've got to say something. So and then yeah. that's where like the, the am I communicating part comes in. Like, am I communicating? Because invariably we would really love it if we were going all going out with psychics, right? <laughs> we would just love if everyone that we dated was a psychic. Um, but I, I always say, if you went to a restaurant and so a waiter come over and was like, do you want anything to eat? And you're like, no, no, I'm fine. And then they didn't bring you any food and then you bitched about it. You'd be like, well, that's rude. Not really. You didn't say anything. Like, yeah. And I, but, but saying it is a skill. And again, it's the, like, you'd rather do anything than have to put yourself like that growth edge of like, oh shit, like I've now got to push that edge and I've got to now let these words come out of my mouth and I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, because like the number one thing for the anxiously attached person is to maintain that closeness and not be abandoned at any cost. So it's like, it actually feels more dangerous to set that boundary that might push the person away than mm-hmm. the danger of just tolerating red flags, shitty behavior, things that are not okay. It's almost like, you know, choose the lesser evil yeah, and like the big boundary or the potential that you might actually push that person away. They might think you're too much for having mm-hmm. needs, desires, boundaries, a voice like that feels like so dangerous to this attachment style the thing Mm -hmm. that I like to tune into um and that I have said to some of my friends before when I've seen them ignoring really intense red flags and even idealizing these red flags and saying oh you know but they they mean so well and blah blah just absolute bullshit that I can see from the outside perspective, mm-hmm. I say to them, like, if you had a daughter and that was happening to her, would that be okay? No, mm-hmm. right? Or if that was your best friend and someone was doing that to her, would that be okay? Like, would you literally have no problems with that? And like every single time it's like, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> you know, Like that's not okay, but it can be really hard when you have that attachment style and you want to, you almost want to see the best in people because you want like the fairy tale ending. Yeah, exactly. And also seeing the best in them means that you don't have to change because you don't have to do the scary thing of setting the yes. boundary and maybe then walking away. Like you're like you being confused about something or you overcomplicating it or making excuses for something or just being really annoyed. Like really, I'm so annoyed that they can't see how wonderful we are together. I'm really annoyed that they can't, like your preoccupation with making them the thing that needs to be fixed or the them that needs to change is helping you avoid the fact that your behavior needs to change if you want a different result. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Expect a new result if you keep opting into the same dynamics. Mm -hmm. But sometimes Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time, like you almost have to get so sick of your own shit or like see the same situation repeated in front of your eyes in every relationship again and again uh, to realize like, ah, okay, like 
the common denominator here is me, but that doesn't mean like there's something wrong with me. That means that I'm choosing something and maybe I'm choosing that from my wounds rather than from my heart, you know? Yeah. And that that's actually really like, it feels like a kick in the guts, but it's really empowering, I think, because you have full control mm-hmm. over your inner work, the support that you get around it, the way that you show up and make new choices every day. Like that's the thing that you have the most control over versus trying to control whether someone stays with you and never abandons you. Exactly. Like it's actually so, like you say, it's that equal parts terrifying, equal parts like really exciting. Like, oh, like this is, like you say, there's nothing wrong with me, but there's a skill set here I don't have mastered yet. Like, and there's some healing around like what I believe about myself that needs to be addressed and looked at and cared for and shown love and compassion and the parts of yourself that have created part of your identity as a way to protect yourself from ever from that part of you ever having to be hurt again or seen like when I was growing up part a lot of my wounding came from the fact that I was bullied incessantly at school for about six years so it became really normal for me to not trust what was going on I'd be worrying if they were gonna be nice to me today or this week they were going to leave me alone or this week they were going to be friends with me or this week they were going to do this so to to my way of protecting myself during that at that time was to put up this identity of like I don't fucking need you anyway like I don't anyway like and I'll be really funny instead so it became so then as obviously you grow out of that situation the problem had been that that part of my identity had formed such a strong hold over who I believed that I was and who I was happy to show up as. So I also wouldn't ever want anyone to see any weakness of mine. I wouldn't want someone to see an over emotion. I wouldn't want someone to um, ever think that I didn't know anything. I mean, how completely bananas. Um, But like when I sort of realized that the amount of things that I would sometimes speak to somebody and they'd start talking about a topic that I would think that I should know more about. Mm-hmm. I would, I would like smile and nod and think to myself, I need to make a mental note to go and look that up because I should know more about that. And they're going to think I'm really stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to look really weak if I don't look like I know everything about that. And then sort of being able to untangle kind of like that being this sort of like protective side from this wounded place, being able to then sort of open that up and like, just show myself compassion and love and like Sarah none of that was your fault like it's okay like and then being able to be like you don't that bit of your identity doesn't need to exist anymore so like what's what's the next right step in terms of like okay the next time that happens I'm going to be like I don't think I know much about that why don't you tell me about it like just really tiny steps like that can be so um that can be so empowering and so powerful in the, those tiny little steps because unfortunately there's no like oh poof magic wand and now you don't do it anymore it's a real that's why in every like you know great film where there's a montage there's a montage because the bit that's the hard work takes a long time so they montage it into like <laughs> two minutes with some really cool music but unfortunately it takes like a year or whatever to be like Oh, it's like this repeated consistency of like, I've got to just keep taking the next right step in the direction that I want to go in. That is my choice as opposed to my reaction from my wounding. Yeah, totally. Totally. There's so many different parts of us, you know, and 
we have like the inner protectors within us. We have the managers within us. Like a lot of these things form our personality, like these parts of Mm -hmm. us that are essentially coping mechanisms. And some of them are really beautiful. Like some of my best qualities come from my inner protector and from my inner manager. Um, But usually they're there to cover like an exiled part of us. And these are usually really young parts of us. So parts of us that are related to your attachment style, the fear of being abandoned, how you were nursed as a baby, like your first seven years of life. And so I think it's really important when you're doing any kind of healing, especially on attachment style and love, which is so tender for so many people. It's like probably the most tender area. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so important to not blame the like protective parts of you that do really crazy shit, right? Mm -hmm. Like to your conscious mind, you can go, oh my God, why do I keep running back to this or ignoring these red flags, but that might be the strategy that your protector has. So you don't have to feel the pain of acknowledging those red flags. And Mm -hmm. so like, while I'm not advocating like, okay, just love your protector and live in denial and keep doing everything you do, (laughs) even if it's not working. (laughs) I think it's like, you have to have that compassion for that part of you. And then Mm -hmm bring a more like adult part of you online that says to these parts of you, like, Hey, I understand why you do this. And I know you do it with such good intentions, but this is not working for us anymore. So let's create a new way together. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and it takes, it's like every time you're put into a new situation where you're given kind of like, you've got that self-awareness and it comes on board and you're like, like I really want to get my knives out like I really want to be like really combative here or I want to really withdraw and not speak like kind of catching yourself in the moment of in between and being like okay now I get to um choose like and the power is in the choice but you can't have the choice unless you're really honest and like you say denial is such a strong place that people live for a long time sometimes people never get out of denial like that that thing didn't hurt what they said is okay like what I'm doing isn't a problem okay cool like you want to live there great like that like fine but if you don't and you what you want is a really lovely secure healthy happy relationship then that first initial element has got to be I think maybe there's a problem here there's there's a repeating dynamic here and then once you've got more compassion and you can kind of identified like where it's come from, like with me, it was like my, my inner teenager that was just like constantly just told that she was an idiot or whatever, like knowing that she's the one that constantly would want to get her knives out and be combative as a way of being like, don't get too close to me. Um, I would, or, or the one that would be like, yes, you can treat me however you like, come in, please. Like take, take yeah. what you need. Um, I would always just like say to myself, like, like I just sort of like, picture my teenage self in my mind and be like I know why you're doing this and now I'm letting you know I'm taking over like I get I get it but you can rest like I've got us and and this is what boundaries is a really beautiful thing is that boundaries is kind of like what's connected to like your values and your vision of what you want and your boundaries are kind of like then the vehicle in which you move towards it because they dictate actions that you have to take and your boundaries allow your like the wounded inner child part of you to relax because it's kind of that when you're outsourcing your validation to other people Mm -hmm. you're 
you're always at the mercy of how they treat you and you're always like please don't hurt me please don't hurt me whereas if you can kind of like say to your inner child like me as my adult self I'm the one that's going to create these boundaries and I'm going to create this really safe space for us because I will always have our best interests at heart. I will always listen to you. I won't always do what you tell me to do. But when, <laughs> you know, but when something is wrong, I'm going to, I promise you, I'm going to acknowledge it. That means that everything else gets to be more playful. And like, that's why I really love getting my clients to where I'm like, you can get playful and flirty and optimistic when it comes to dating and love again. Once you've got this really lovely protective boundary of your own that you're going to be like, I've got my back. I will never abandon me again. I have some standards, though, that you're going to know about. But I'm going to be really open and flirty and I'm going to really hope that you can meet them. And if you can't, I'm going to let you know. And if you still can't, you're going to be asked to leave. Lovely. Like and trying to move through like dating and love. Yeah. Like this, like lightness, because anxiously attached people move through dating with this clinging kind of energy yeah or like cut off leave me alone so getting to the getting to like the middle like that really lovely like not hard pendulum swing of like come and take what you want or the other pendulum swing of like I you're not allowed anywhere near me like being able to be like I've got my back I know what's a yes and a no for me I know what my values are I know the direction of the relationship that I want that I'm trying to build and I'm going to always be an advocate for myself. And that's yeah. where your self-worth is built. That's where self-worth grows. Like, and every time you then abandon yourself and you let a boundary fly or you just ignore a red flag, you you kind of like, if it was a container, you like put a hole in it. You're like, yeah. it's, you know, and it, it's yeah. kind of like, and, and it, it takes time to build it. It takes time to realize what it is that you want um, and practice. Like, like yeah. I said, like, the first time I had to like lay a boundary with this guy it took me like three days like literally and I just wanted to die like I was like oh my god I was like yeah. this is awful where's where's now like something happens with my boyfriend I'm like I'm not okay with that this is what we need to do can we have a discussion about it like it's yeah. like it's I, I like me of three years ago oh my god like she'd be like who are you <laughs> how did this happen like what is happening like but it's yeah. it takes it takes time and compassion of like I'm not always going to get this right. Yeah, definitely. I used to just be the ultimate doormat. Like if I think of myself 10 years ago, I was in the worst situationship of all time with the biggest Darrow loser, but I thought he was a fucking God. He was (laughs) disgusting. And (laughs) like energetically and yeah just just gross but I was just infatuated do you know what I mean like I had Mm -hmm. those lovers blind goggles on and he could have just literally shat my hand and I would have thought it was amazing right so I was ignoring so many red flags and living in so much denial and I could never set a boundary with him or say this is not okay because I actually didn't even know how to have boundaries with myself so Mm -hmm. If you don't have boundaries or standards for yourself or follow through on what's important to you and you don't trust yourself to follow through with the things you say you're going to do, it's very, very hard to then expect other people to meet what you want or to honor your boundaries because you're not going to enforce them if they're crossed because mm-hmm. you don't even honor them for yourself. And so I think like a lot of the work is to do with ourself and the little ways that 
you know, you build that trust in yourself. So if you say, Hey, I'm going to start doing this because it makes me, my mental health really good. I'm going to make sure I drink two liters of water a day or go to the gym or whatever it is, knowing that every time you follow through on that, you build um, a little seed of self-trust and Mm -hmm. you're honoring yourself and that grows over time. And then I feel like that moves into your relationships and how you relate with others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like something that I think is worth mentioning is the difference between making a request versus a boundary. I think a lot of people, because boundaries became such a popular conversation, like in the last few years, which I think is amazing, but then it has almost swung to a really, um, like different extreme in that people are, using sometimes boundaries to like almost try and control the other person or to make them Mm -hmm. love them in a different way or to make them do something. And Mm -hmm. actually that's a request. So you can request like, Hey, this is how I really like to be loved. Do you think that you can do A, B, and C? Or, you know, when you go out at night, it makes me feel really good. If you send me a text to let me know you got home. Okay. Like, can, would you mind doing that versus like, if you don't send me a text, we're over. And mm-hmm. it's like this, this boundary that almost then is subconsciously trying to push the other person away or like without ever communicating the request in the first place. So I think like, yes. that's a really important distinction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of confusion around boundaries, like a hundred percent, because it now is kind of like, it's my way or or you can leave. And it's like, well, no, that's not a boundary. Like that, like that's not a boundary at all. And like you say, that's just control. Like that's just yeah. controlling. Like, so, and, and as well, there can be like a boundary has been crossed and therefore my request is this. So yeah. I'll give you an example. So when me and my boyfriend first started dating, we'd been dating maybe two months and he canceled on me really last minute on one of the days we were supposed to be seeing each other. Well, idea (laughs) this not okay right so I was and everything else there'd been no red flags of any description and I was like so plus backstory like is that my ex who was stealing from me to do drugs all the time basically was would always cancel on me all of a sudden he'd not show up to things I'd have to make excuses with family members about why he just wasn't with me this time um so it was a really like sore spot for me of like, I never, ever being in a relationship where that's like that dis- that level of disrespect is shown. So that was one of the values of like, I want, I want my time to be respected. So then my standard is I don't get cancelled on that last yeah. minute. So then when that standard is not met, that's when you then implement a boundary. And the boundary really is like telling somebody when a standard is not met essentially that's how I describe it with my clients so I messaged him and I was I let him know I was angry but I was like sorry when did you know that you couldn't see me today and he was like oh yeah well I did actually know on Thursday and I, I should have said I'm really sorry is that all right and I was like yeah I mean obviously like if you've got plans or whatever it's fine I was like but just so you know I was like I do not accept being cancelled on last minute as a, if you think that's going to be like a regular thing like if you do like we won't last very long like just so just so you know like next time can you just let me know like as soon as you know like even if you'd had to cancel today because of something that had come up today like that's fine but you knew like three days ago I could have made plans please can you make sure that you do that you like you don't do that again that's the difference between like 
but that is the difference between like oh he's let me down he's proved himself to be a dick we're over because yeah two months in you could be like oh well well I'm not putting up with this that oh boundaries that's not a fucking boundary like yeah (laughs) yeah I mean I guess the boundary would be if you so you've made a request and also set the boundary there of like I request that you do this because this is a standard that I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then if he was to continuously keep doing that, Mm -hmm. then the boundaries with yourself, because the boundary is for you to say that is not, I've requested that I've consciously communicated that this is what I need and the respect Mm -hmm. that I like to have shown to me. And Mm -hmm. that's that for whatever reason, that person is choosing not to meet it or cannot meet it. Mm -hmm. So then the boundary is with yourself to walk away. Uh, I guess walking away, if you're anxiously attached, feels incredibly edgy because it's like you're the one who's creating that distance or like leaving that situation. Mm -hmm. So. And and that's why anxiously attached people fall into this like hard pendulum swing of like, they might think they're being really boundaries and like really empowered if they're just like, right, well, I'm going to cut it off then because it actually if I let this carry on for another month or two and he keeps doing it, then I'm going to be more invested. I'm going to be more attached. It's going to hurt more. So the real like danger zone for anxiously attached people is particularly at that starting point of dating, of being in that gray area, of like that in between of like, I, I have to go ahead with this without knowing what the outcome is going to be. And that, like anxiously attached people hate that because they like certainty. They want things in black and white. They don't want the gray area. But dating and love, it, it, it is a gray area. You don't get to date and fall in love with somebody with a rubber stamp of like, they're never going to hurt you. Like they might, they might, it might get to two months, two months in, you know, a bit later and they do something else. And that's not something that they're able to meet in terms of a standard that you have. Yeah. So, and that feels like, but then I'm going to die. And it's like, I promise you, you won't like, and that, that, that's when kind of like bringing in that um, real like belief system of like, what's meant for me won't miss me what misses me wasn't meant for me and really trying to like lean into that that belief of like there's eight million people like billion people in the in like on the planet there is going to be multiple people that could make you incredibly happy but one of them is you like you've got to be the person the person first like you've got to be that person first and then like so that's what I always say like you'll meet you'll meet great people and then together you need to want to build a relationship like yeah. you, you both want to have to build it because if you don't want to build it and you've got to be really clear about what you're trying to build because otherwise yeah. you're just like you're not really building anything you're just kind of like it's just sort of falling together and then you'll end up being like well yeah this isn't really what I wanted and then there'll be loads of resentment and resentment that the other person doesn't even know because boundaries actually help people love you better like yeah. since I've had that conversation with my boyfriend he's like whenever he's had to change plans move things he's always told me the moment he's found out because he knows that it helps me feel loved and he likes to do that like that's something that he likes to be able to do yeah most definitely yeah I have that with my partner like he I know that one of his triggers is feeling like people don't listen to him or like he gets really annoyed if people talk over him and uh, so for, even if he's saying something and I'm like, oh, I could just interject right here and literally solve the problem that he's telling me, 
I know like the medicine usually is to just have that eye contact and let him speak it out. And then he is like feeling really good just from being listened to. And Mm -hmm. I've known that because when I've interrupted him in the past, he has set that boundary and made that request and let me know like, Hey, like my mom does, does this and did this my whole life. And so it really upsets me um, and makes him feel like unloved or less loved. And so you know, we get to like build these, these ships, like you said, with other messy human beings and, mm-hmm. you know, figure out how we can do better and better together. Um, and I mm-hmm. also love, um, there was something you were saying and it was, it was making me think about how it's so important to examine like the way that you're acting or the people that you're dating or like who you're with. Is that in alignment with what you say that you want? Because I've had so many situations with like friends of mine and even like one of my former housemates who would say all the time, like, this is what I want in my dream relationship. And then I would look at the people they were dating and I was like, this is literally like the opposite of what you say that you're, you desperately want. Um, And I think like sometimes it's really obvious from the outside, but not as obvious when you're so close to it all. Um, you know, like if you say you want to find your dream husband who is respectful and will never cheat on you, but then you're dating guys who are like cheating on their girlfriends with you or, uh, like who are sliding in your DMS when you know that they're kind of dating someone and it's like, why waste your time? You know, what are you doing? Not congruent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing, because all these other things are often at play in terms of their attachment style that's completely unmanaged, and they're in denial about what they're doing. And they're more than happy to tell themselves that if they play in those murky waters, it doesn't really matter, because they're not trying to make a relationship with them or whatever, they're just passing the time. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of ways people trick themselves into believing that what they're doing is absolutely fine. Super convincing. Oh oh my God, just like the most convincing. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, okay. So it's really funny. By the time people come to start to work with me, they're at the point where they're like, I'm sick of my own bullshit now. Like it's time to really look at where I'm going wrong. And there's a lot of exercises that I have, particularly in boundaries, where it's like, I ask such, there's such pointed exercises and like prompts that you just can't escape them. Like you just cannot escape it. And I'm like, you're right. Like, like they're like, oh my God, like, what have I been doing? And I'm like, yeah, but that's why we have to examine it to then be like, okay, so now what's the boundary? Like, you've now seen what you say you want, what you have been putting up with and yeah. entertaining and lying to yourself about. Yeah. And now it changes. If you want change, that changes. Like, yeah. and, and knowing that, because that was the other thing I wanted to say in terms of practicing this, particularly it can be hard to practice it if you're saying going through a, a point where you're like I don't really want to date at the minute I'm just trying to really focus in on me like how do I practice boundaries there you will probably have some pretty porous boundaries somewhere else in your life so whilst you it's it's unlikely I would say that if you're if you're people pleasing in love that you're people pleasing nowhere else for example so I wasn't people pleasing at work I was a bit of a dick at work but when it came to like my family I was like really scared to like say the things. So like my kind of like edge to start with before I even got anywhere 
like near doing it really with kind of like relationships was to practice in other places where I when I was getting really like brutally honest with myself like where else am I just like not speaking up for myself going with the status quo of like the family dynamic like where can I really start to exercise this um this edge and referring to it as like a micro bravery like really kind of like seeing where it feels that you kind of if if you've got like I've got a really lovely family so I knew there wasn't actual danger yeah um, in it or like it might be with a friendship group if you just normally just go along with the flow if there's somewhere that feels safer but you're still not really showing up for yourself practice there first practice somewhere where it feels a little bit like like vomit inducing but not so much that you're just gonna like close up shop and not try it yeah. ever again like just try try it there first like try it with a friend first try it with like your mum first if they're not too bad like somewhere where yeah. it feels a bit safer to really increase that confidence that you have in your ability to express yourself in a way that's not you know like that's more authentic the way you're actually saying what you mean yeah yeah one of my teachers explains that as like the growth zone is where you're uncomfortable but not in danger you know exactly Mm -hmm. and a little mantra that I love to give myself when I'm facing fears or you know even I used to be really scared of confrontation um and I think a lot of people just wouldn't even believe that now because they're like you you literally look like you'd fight me in a bar (laughs) but um (laughs) I was truly like very, very, I would do anything to have avoided some kind of confrontation. I'd go into a massive freeze response if that happened. And so as I've like gone through my journey and had more and more difficult conversations and done bigger and bigger things that were really scary before, one of the mantras that I just give myself, which is just simple but effective, is I can do hard things. Mm-hmm. And it's Love like- I can do hard things. I can, I can do it. They're fucking hard, but I can do hard things. And I've seen myself do hard things. And I think the more that you do that, like you were saying in other areas, the more it builds confidence in the areas that are like bigger and like sort of bigger bites to chew off, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's like doing those hard things, having those hard conversations, like walking away from them red red flags. Yeah. And it's and that's the thing, like a lot of people get stuck in the theoretical, yeah, yeah, I know that's what I should do. And then when it comes to doing it, they're like, Oh, I just kind of ghosted them as opposed to actually saying what I wanted to say. And it's like, okay, cool. That's not a boundary. Yeah. A boundary is actually you communicate. Like that's not you're just toxic now. Like what? Like, <laughs> like that, but that that isn't helping you your growth edge in terms of like the skills that you're gonna need to be in a really great relationship. Because yeah. you're not like when you actually get into a relationship, you're gonna have to say the stuff. Like if you like for it to be like really healthy. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to find a way to communicate kind of like through your emotions, through your like anger, through your sadness, through through your shock of things that they might have said or done or whatever. And really being able to articulate what's going on for you and ghosting. And like, like I used to be exactly the same. My my go to kind of like 
response to conflict was just like avoid 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 and deny till up. you die <laughs> yeah like oh my god no everything's fine everything's fine and then wonder why you know I was really really sad um, yeah or or you just like can't feel anything because you're yeah. like you've just lived in denial so long you don't know how to yeah. exist anymore <laughs> yeah like I used to deny so many of my like emotions that I thought were like I deemed as like negative and like bad that when I had first started doing all this work, I worked with a love coach to to kind of move myself through kind of like acknowledging what I was actually feeling that was considered like weak. Um, I was renovating my house. They had they'd taken the roof off of the house and I was like, oh, they were like, oh, do you want to come up and see it? I was like, yeah, okay. So I got to the top of the ladder and had to like step off and get on. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And they were like, what? And I was like, so I'm afraid of heights. And they were like, what, you've only just, found out and I was like yeah like oh I was like oh my god (laughs) I was like I'm so afraid I was like oh my god and I literally just stood there and I was like how have I not acknowledged fear like to the point of like just pretending that it just wasn't there didn't exist so I got down from the ladder and then kind of had a word with myself and the next few days I kept going up the ladder and being like I'll get off it tomorrow maybe tomorrow and I, and I actually then thought to myself, I can do this because actually like two months ago, I'd have pretended I could do it anyway. So let's like lean into like the, okay, well, I'm acknowledging the fear now and now I'm going to do it anyway. So I think it's Liz Gilbert who says that, like she always says about in Big Magic, she's like, fear will always be there. Like expect it to be there, accept it that it's going to be there and then like allow it, like acknowledge it, but don't allow it to like drive the bus. Of yeah where you're going yeah. like allow your action allow your actions to be more aligned with kind of who you're trying to be instead of like stuck in in the response of, of kind of where you where you are at the moment yeah I think a lot of people wait to be fearless but it's like if you don't feel any fear then you're probably very disassociated because yeah. it's like part of your biology it's meant to be that yeah yeah you know? it's a safety mechanism yeah <laughs> like I'm supposed to be scared of getting off a ladder that's you know 20 feet tall yeah. Like, yeah. Like, there's meant to be some fear there like that's okay it's not yeah. a, it's not a weakness to feel that it's okay yeah amazing uh so last thing I wanted to ask you is around red flags mm-hmm. so like maybe you could just quickly list off like how like what are the top red flags that anxiously attached women should be looking out for when they're dating Yes, great question. I absolutely love red flags because I think I have um, romanticized, I loved, ignored pretty much all of them. So that's nice. So I'm like a little bit of a pro when it comes to this. Um, But yeah, so obviously there's a lot of red flags in general that a lot of people can talk about. But the ones that I focus on are um, aimed at women who would identify as being anxiously attached because they are the red flags that are shown in people that are avoidantly attached. And those are the people that you normally are attracted to where it won't work so um so the red flags for that kind of represent avoidantly attached people is um wanting to keep things casual for like a really extended period of time um this is useful for them because it really delays commitment um because they like to keep things in like the dating fun stage like they don't mind connection they just don't want commitment so they can be really dangerous so you've got to look out for that love bombing as well so an avoidantly attached person can unintentionally love bomb cat caveat love bombing can happen 
with people who are like narcissists and it can be a real like dangerous manipulation tool but when it's done by an avoidantly attached person it's because they're really excited at the idea of like the fun connection part of dating and then when everything gets a bit too intense a bit too intimate they then um, seek back to their feeling of safety which is separation yeah that's the really important thing to understand that an anxiously attached person seeks safety and closeness and an avoidantly attached person seeks safety in separation and independence so that's kind of like where they differ and how they operate hence Um, the ghosting right it's like you you want to cuddle they want to like run away and feel safe in their running away yeah yes and also if they ghost if you like you're close they ghost and then they come back just don't go don't go back there because the reason that they've come back is because they've had that separation to then be like oh cool I've like made myself feel better now by being away from you with no warning no explanation no contact and now I'm in my like they've re-regulated their nervous system kind of like by themselves and then they're like oh hey girl should we hang out again but the reason that they needed the space was because that intimacy that you crave you they've had it and they don't like it so they've ran away so So there's nothing there's nothing wrong with their avoidantly attached tendencies as much as there's nothing wrong with yours. You're just really bad for each other. Yeah, um, it's just like not a compatible long term situation unless yes. one person or both people become more secure, right? Yes, absolutely. You know? That's exactly it. Um, so they're often always going to focus on like the fun. So they'll shun anything that's too emotionally heavy. If you try and have a more emotional conversation with them about expectations or where you're heading, they'll be like, let's keep it fun. Let's keep it light. Um, because they just don't want to commit. Uh, there'll be inconsistency. So they'll blow hot and cold um, in terms of their interest and their contact. Um, everything will be on their terms as well. So um so yeah it's really important to just have a real clear idea of like the type of relationship you're trying to build and if you are honest with yourself about when these red flags present they they won't be in alignment with your vision of like a healthy happy relationship they just won't so if you're able to be honest enough with yourself of like this is what I want and this is what I'm going to be like grounded in and like focused on and I'm going to be brutally honest like when people show you who they are believe it believe them like don't try and change them you don't need to try and control them yeah like if you've got some boundaries around it because that's the thing I think a lot of the time we think that when we lay a boundary with somebody they're going to be they're going to all of a sudden really respect us I remember doing that with a guy once where he wanted to like have casual sex with me again and I wasn't doing that anymore and I was like yeah so actually um I don't do that but if you want to ask me on a date that like I'll definitely be up for that because I'm you know I'm looking for this now and in my naive state, I definitely thought he probably would, you know, ask me on a date. I mean, I'd never heard from him ever again. Like, wow. Literally. Yeah. A response is a response. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, you're, you're scared of doing it, but it saved me a lot of time. Because otherwise, if I hadn't held myself to, to that kind of, like, responsibility of saying what I actually wanted, then I wouldn't have been able to, like, stay single and then cultivate higher self-worth by not getting into bed with men who didn't want me um and and then essentially attract you know a a great partner yeah yeah oh such good red flags to look out for and just be mindful of in a sea of 
different humans with different lived experiences, hey? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, should our listeners come find you on the gram? Is that where you want to oh, yeah. connect? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am very active on stories. Um, I work with people on a one-to-one basis. I've got uh, an intensive, a two-hour intensive called How to Not Give Your Heart to a Dickhead which, you know, I love that. That's what it it says on the tin. Um, (laughs) I'm glad you found that as funny as I did when I made it up. I was like, this is amazing. Anyway. um, And then I've got a group program as well called the Secure as Fuck Academy. Um, And then I'm also just about to launch a mini course as well on all to do with boundaries. So taking the guesswork out of how to do it like exactly how I'm going to run you through exactly how I do it with my clients um and yeah it's like a it's like a three-week mini course I'm really excited about so amazing cool awesome thank you so much babe I hope everyone loved it it was awesome to talk to you yeah and you thank you so much yeah come and come and follow me on the gram for um all the ridiculous updates that I do as well behind the scenes and uh and I do yeah. free, free, some freebies as well so there's free master classes I also have a red flag download that they can have as well um, so if they, need, if they need a little cheat sheet they can have it amazing so good well I hope everyone has a good day don't give your heart to a dickhead and uh we'll see you soon <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful and it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode and until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.